everyone. This is Brian. I just wanted to give you a heads up that in this episode, uh, in the first 35 minutes or so, Rob's audio is a little glitchy. Um, it clears up uh, about half an hour or 40 minutes into the episode, um, so you don't have to deal with it all the way through. And honestly, it's not that bad. I just wanted to let you know um, that it was something on our end, and there's nothing wrong with the device you're using to play it on. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside and read comics. Thanks a lot. Full speed ahead. We've still got a job to do. Hey there, and welcome to Marvel by the Month. My name is Brian Stratton. And mine, Rob Milne. Uh, Rob, uh, I don't even want to beat around the bush about it. We have uh, our first guest uh, of the uh, quarantine, lockdown, coronavirus extravaganza. Uh, and so let's just bring him on right now uh, so that we don't miss a minute of this audio gold. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Noah wow. Campbell has returned to the podcast for this is like the fifth or sixth time, I think. Welcome, Noah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this one was easy. I didn't have to leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's never true. have to. We, yeah, it's the We best. took the commute out for you. So now it's just going to be easier from here on out. Yeah. Uh, Noah, how are you? How are you holding up with uh, all this uh, hilarity? Uh, we're doing all right. We're uh, trapped, walking the dog at night. Uh, I'm wearing pants right now. Oh, wow. and I shaved. Thanks my, for dressing I up. I shaved yesterday. Uh, yeah, you no problem. <laughs> Wait, it, you know when, when you mentioned shaving that close to mentioning wearing pants, I, I'm not well, exactly <laughs> sure where this is going. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I, smooth I'm as married. a baby swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not a lot of grooming, uh, <laughs> manscaping. <clears throat> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, no. So you, you obviously have been in lockdown, um, oh, with, yeah. with your lovely wife and, uh, and your pup. Um, how's everyone, how's everyone doing? Um, this last week, I'm, I'm not going to lie was, uh, this is like probably the hardest of the, the time so far is just like, I feel like all the stuff was finally starting to get to me this last week. Um, but, you know, there's been also some very good moments in there, too. But, uh, yeah, this, it's kind of getting old as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's uh, bleeding. Uh, the days bleed into each other where I'm uh, – it's it's bizarre. I've, I've been working at home for a full month now, and it's just been kind of surreal. The first couple of weeks were really nice. I – showered infrequently and rolled out of bed at eight <laughs> fifty five and uh but it's it's taking a toll man yeah uh, <laughs> it does it it just like paper cuts to your mind uh after a while well yeah i'm mean, still enjoying it but i am i totally i if i have a meeting at you know nine fifteen, i'm probably getting out of bed at nine oh seven. maybe if i have yeah. to get feet, you know yeah yeah um, I, I still and, get to work earlier than I used to. So. <laughs> well, and then you start reaching that point where you're like, why am I actually getting out of bed today? Um, and, you know, then you start going down that uh, slippery slope. So it's like, I can, I, I can do everything I, I need to do, do from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I have a desktop computer, so I have to leave the bedroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's uh, my where you went wrong. <laughs> my wife has uh, said the last person out of the bed makes the bed and um which is you know bullshit, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah the uh the my wife already worked from home so me being around all the time actually is like way worse for her yeah um, 
and it's almost like I'm on vacation. I still have to work, but I, uh, I'm home by five Oh five, you know? Uh. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I'm in exactly the opposite position where I, I have been working from home and now my wife is also working from home and our kid is at home with us. Um, yeah, that's so, a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of juggling. It's, uh, I mean, fortunately we have a, a decent sized house, so, you know, we can be in different parts of the house if everyone is committed to being in different parts of the house. But, uh, you know, uh, convincing a six-year-old to let you have just 10 minutes um, to yourself is, uh, <laughs> it's like the Paris Peace Accords. There's a lot of negotiation in that. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, just trying to keep, you know, we were recording last week and I had Barb was on our balcony and the only way in is through where I was recording. So there was like a, a pre knock on the window wave break so that I could let her through the room. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, when we're doing the podcast thing, like work is both of us on conference calls all day, trying to stay out of each other's, you know, cameras and everywhere else. So it's just, it's, so I just basically stay sequestered right where I am now all day, which is my happy room up upstairs. So yeah, this is, it's, it's weird to have to remind myself that, it is, you know, after this far in or to it's normalizing. So I yeah. forget um, my the full like wiping down doorknobs and whatever, washing your hands till they're crackling um, is that part has passed. And uh, so but I've got to remember to still stay vigilant, I, you know, can't right. Let my guard yeah. completely down. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to telling my grandkids about, you know, when we used to be able to leave our yard. Uh, and that there is a wild world out there. Um, <laughs> sounds like a, well, like 12 monkeys. Dis- it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing I kept saying the minute this started to Barb. I was like, it's 12 monkeys. This is the 12 one. There's not zombies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Like when it comes back in the fall, maybe we get the zombies then. Um, <laughs> which would at least great. shake things up a little bit, you know, keep the monotony at bay. Yeah, then it's definitely going to feel like you're just stuck working from home or house arrest or something. It's going to feel much more like everything you've ever imagined with the crossbows and the dune buggies. <laughs> yeah, but Rob, uh, we didn't stock up on crossbows and dune buggies. We just talked about it for years. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tactical uh, blunder. I yeah, did, I, I should have been stockpiling guns, but I... Uh, you know, you just you have guitars instead, so that's really going to get you far. Guitars. Uh, last <laughs> week, last week I did buy myself a new machete and a new axe, and I don't want anyone to read too much into the fact that I bought that the day after uh, the governor announced that school was going to be canceled for the rest <laughs> of the academic year. Um, but yeah, I do have some tools now. I just, that just makes me think shining some more. So, you know, that's that's what happens every time we're talking. I'm like, Brian, because you made a shining joke right when this started. Uh, and now yeah. I'm just like, Brian, careful with this. <laughs> no, it, the craziest thing I have done so far is a lot of landscaping, um, which I'm actually like, I didn't think we were actually going to get around to doing that. So uh you know, there's the silver lining of this whole thing is that when you're forced to occupy only your own property, uh, you actually, you know, work to improve your property, which is kind of nice. <clears throat> that's our that's our yard. Yep. Pulling weeds. And our house looks like a museum right now because it's not allowed to be messy. That's another rule. <laughs> <laughs> so it's making it a little harder for you <laughs> there all day. <laughs> 
I just I have one room I'm allowed to keep a pigsty and uh, I do a good job of that. <laughs> that's that's kind of I don't even have one room anymore. But I Barb gave up on my two the double deep two fi book stack on my mm. nightstand for a while. She was like, you know, gotta just put those away somewhere. I'm like, I need they're all to be read. They're in my to do pile. So what can I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if you really get going one evening? And you just like, yeah. you, you, read, you read through like a dozen of I them. I need to have like, it right within reach. I can't, yeah. you know, walk around and find the next one. They're also yeah, in, you know, to be read order. So. Right. It, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, uh, we have, uh, a, I just realized we have a podcast to do. Um, uh, so should we do that? Does that sound like a good thing? Um, this is me. I think we should. Me being a professional podcaster. And that was a professional quality transition right there. Bam. Wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can hear the awe in your voices. Wow. Uh, Incredible. Well, uh, <laughs> so uh, let me welcome everyone back to this thing. Um, this is uh, episode four of our third season. Um, all the uh, comics that we're going to be talking about on this episode were released in July of 1965. And as we usually do, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what was going on in July 65. Uh, Rob, would you care to start us out? I'm afraid there's no Beatles news that I could find uh, for July 65. There uh, isn't. Yeah. The, yeah. Actually, this is right when they, they finished help and released it. And then they had about a month before they started on Rubber Soul. So we're maybe a couple months. Um, yeah. So we're in there. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a hiatus. They were probably running around in a billion shows, but um, but they weren't. Yeah. You know, recording um but on second um of july in 1965 the equal employment opportunity commission the eeoc was formed in the united states as title seven of the civil rights act of 1964 went into effect so the new law prohibited place discrimination based on race skin color religion sex or national origin so that's that's when that got started which can explain why the show Mad Mad Men looks like it does. Um, it's right around the time uh, <laughs> you could legally discriminate up until this point uh, on a federal level um, on all of those cases. Um, so it wasn't until 1965. It wasn't until halfway through 1965 uh, that you had to stop doing that. So uh, you know, as we say a lot, baby steps. Um, so uh, the next day, on the 3rd of July, 1965, the day before America's birthday, Soviet Communist Party chief Leonid Brezhnev said that the USSR had orbital missiles, implying that his nation could put nuclear missiles into orbit around the Earth and bring them down on command to any location on Earth. The possible existence of missiles in orbit had been referred to at least twice by Soviet media, but it marked the first time that the Soviet Union's leader had suggested their existence. So we joke a lot about the threat of commies, but uh, yeah, I mean, they were literally, you know, had the capability to put nuclear missiles in orbit um, and uh, and rain them down with great fury at a moment's notice. Yeah, that's that is totally terrifying. Um, And and that went on. That sort of terror went on for quite a while. And Mm -hmm. if you think about that in context, it might explain why, like, Star Wars, the not the movies but star wars that reagan <laughs> was pushing for laser space um if you've lived your whole life with from this you might go okay we'll pay for lasers in space um 
make it, you know, some kind of other anti-space missile technology. Um, crazy. Yeah. yeah. If you really want to freak yourself out, um, go to the Wikipedia page for space weapons, um, which is what <laughs> I spent a little time on uh, preparing the notes for this episode. Uh, and it's wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was born when I was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, on uh, the birthday of the United States of America, um, at a desk placed in front of the base of the Statue of Liberty, U.S. Uh, President Lyndon Johnson signed the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965 into um, it. The, the act limited immigration to 170,000 persons per year, but based the number of persons from each country on the nation's populations, increasing the diversity of immigrants to the U.S. So their cap on it uh mm-hmm. and, which there always they, had been yeah yeah and they but they were making sure that cat that the people who did come were of more diverse origins which i did not know and yeah i think that is at least again one of the baby steps yeah it, it i mean one of the things that i'm really realizing as we go through these months is that uh for all the the crazy and terrible stuff that Lyndon Johnson wound up doing around Vietnam. Um, he actually signed into law some of the most progressive legislation um, that America had ever seen. Uh, and and we're not even done this month talking about all the stuff that he did. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's the ultimate like uh, definition of like you take the good and you take the bad. Um, he got us into Vietnam and got us really into Vietnam, uh, but also was limiting discrimination and like opening up immigration to countries that we did not allow a lot of immigrants from and, and things like that. So, you know, um, very complex. And his boss had recently been shot. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there was that. There was that also. Um, well, here's uh, something completely trivial. On the 9th of July, 1965, the Flash Cube was introduced by the American camera manufacturer Kodak uh, at its factory in Rochester, New York, as an accessory that would allow flash photography on its small Instamatic cameras for indoor picture taking, um, we're all we're all old dudes. Does does everyone remember the flash cube? Oh yeah, <clears throat> I do. You just threw it out, right? Or I think it, it would you could rotate it or something. Yeah, like I think you could use it four times. Um, I remember you could attach them separately later, so you could point on the top with whatever however many it was and yes and then throw that out when you were done another. <laughs> right yeah but they were all like single use i mean it's yeah. like once the flash went off on one side you're like okay well <laughs> you're you're one step closer to the garbage bin yep and it yeah now that i think of how incredible that is to think you've got like i thought there were six at some point like that was the maximum flash bar you there was a bar yeah i remember yeah. there was yeah like, oh yeah 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 and uh, and that was but that's the number of shots you could take with the camera with limited amount of film you had. Yeah. That would have a flash on the on the 15th. Mare 4 made its closest closest approach to Mars, returning images that gave the world the first clear look at another planetary surface. Um, the transmission of 22 pictures relied upon film exposures being processed internally on a convoluted series of rollers. That's a quote. Um, then scanned to produce radio signals in a quote, with pulses corresponding to the light or dark areas on the negatives. Um, crazy. So at the rate of eight bits per second, which meant that each picture took eight hours to transmit. 
So yeah. speaking speaking of the camera technology advances, uh, man, yeah, crazy. You think about it, like the the thing had to not only like take the pictures, but then it had to develop them internally, and then like send them back by radio to Earth. Like yeah, and they had to wait an hour, and it wasn't even a naked lady. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, you could maybe mistake some you know crater on Mars or something. But, yeah, well, yeah. then Mars had a face, right? I. I Maybe it was yeah. an attractive face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, on the, on the, the early nineties. <laughs> oh, dial up. Um, <laughs> on the uh, the nineteenth of uh, July, uh, filming began on the second television pilot for Gene Roddenberry's proposed science fiction series, Star Trek, uh, with only one member of the cast carrying over from the first pilot. Where No Man Has Gone Before retained actor Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock, but now featured Canadian actor William uh, William Shatner in the lead role as the Starship's captain. Well, on the 25th, Bob Dylan upset many of his fans at the New New York Folk Festival. um, Oh, yeah. uh, Because uh, the purists were upset he was going electric in a live performance. Um, an author who was present at the f- at the festival right later that it was a myth that Dylan had been booed as he played. I, I was going to say, I thought I had heard that that was bullshit. Yeah. That people didn't care because they were probably stoned and uh, yeah. they loved Dylan. One yep. person, I, I've heard the live recording of it. One person does yell out Judas at him. Um, and <laughs> oh, he, and oh, he, I know there's going to be like oh, yeah. know, crazy people. 20%, yeah. uh, 20% <laughs> yeah. of a crowd is always psychotic. Uh, so. Well, and then so, so the guy yells and is, is of course, it's a dude uh, yells Judas at him. Uh, and Dylan responds, I don't believe you. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I like your Dylan impersonation. Thanks. I've got Dylan and Stan Lee. Those are the two I have on tap. Mine, uh, whenever I try to say a Dylan thing, it just sounds vaguely like Tom Petty, which is like Dylan <laughs> light. Yes. Um, yeah. But after his three song set, Dylan returned to the stage later in the show and played It's All Over Now, Baby Blue on an acoustic guitar. Um, and he, when he uh, played his last purely acoustic set, um, it the Beatles were there. They saw that oh, wow. show. Uh, so they were, and they were very influenced. Um, John especially is very influenced by Dylan and Dylan. People always said Dylan going electric electric was partially influenced by the Beatles. So there's a little back and forth yeah. there. Look at you. You, you snuck some Beatles news in uh, Beatles by the most. Nice job again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, just a couple more here uh, on the 28th in a nationally televised speech, President Johnson announced his decision to send an additional 50,000 American troops to South Vietnam, increasing the number of personnel there by two thirds and to bring the commitment to 125,000. Uh, Johnson also said that the monthly draft call uh, would more than double to more than 1000 new young men per day. Uh, it was at 17,000. Uh, it went up to 35,000 uh, for enlistment and training in the U.S. Armed Forces. So, yeah, just, uh, wow. again, throwing bodies at the thing. Uh, on the 30th, to wrap up our history, um, in a ceremony at Truman Presidential Library in Independence, Missouri, uh, President Johnson signed the Social Security Act of 1965 into law, establishing Medicare and Medaid. Yeah. 
So, you know, hey, kids, if you survive Vietnam, uh, when you turn 65, we'll take care of you. So that was That's nice, nice of them. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, so there you go. That's what was going on in July 1965. We're going to take our first break of the episode. Uh, and when we come back, um, we're going to talk about the world's greatest comic magazine, uh, the Fantastic Four. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, we have not one, not two, but three issues of Fantastic Four to talk about uh, this week. Um, so uh, Fantastic Four number 41 to 43, uh, all three issues were written by Stan Lee. Uh, the art on all of them was done by Jack Kirby. Vince Coletta inked him on all three issues. Um, this is the very first three-part story in Fantastic Four history. Um and uh, it's the uh, return of the Frightful Four. Um, and Noah, did you have any uh, awareness of a, a supervillain team called the Frightful Four um, before you read these issues? Yes. Ah. Last time I was on, that's right. Uh, the Frightful Four were formed, and Pace Pop Pete was starting uh, uh, was in that. Yep. And I see that this is his debut as Trapster, or yeah. or was he already debuted as that? He, he, there, people keep calling him Pace Pop Pete in these, and he doesn't <laughs> like it too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They still call him Pace Pop Pete, and he still doesn't <laughs> like it. Um, but yeah, no, he. I think he had become Pace Pop Pete uh, a few months ago. But um, yeah, or no Trapster. One, yeah, or yeah, that's right. Trapster. Yeah, yeah. He he'd become the, the trapster, trapster a few months ago, and uh, you know, no one wants to call him that. They still want to call him Pacebot Pete because it's like objectively a better and funnier name. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget the the wingless wizard. Oh uh, yeah, they the dropped wiz- that. Real the wizards quick. always always trying to get people to call him the wing wizard, and nobody ever does. It's just wizard. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Rob, you want to uh, catch us up on what happened um, in the first couple issues of this, and then we'll go deep on the, the third issue that came out this month. Sure. Um, so, uh, previously on Fantastic Four, um, two months ago, Fantastic Four number 41 was the brutal betrayal of Ben Grimm. Uh, ben Grimm quit the Fantastic Four after Reed transformed him back into the thing to defeat Doctor Doom, which is, would upset most people. Um, after stowing away in the back of a pickup truck, uh, Ben fell asleep and rolled out of the truck in New Jersey, where he was abducted and brainwashed by Rightful Four with the wizard's id machine. Uh, when the FF came looking for him, the Frightful Four and the thing quickly trapped them and tell the thing to finish them off. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's so mean and mad too. Yes. Yeah, it, it, like because it not only does he get brainwashed, but it also like changes his personality. So he's like really aggressive and just like like you said, really mean um, and just furious at the world. I also love the fact that the Frightful Four are headquartered in Jersey, um, which you yeah, know, if you are from New York, that's a pretty funny joke. And they're hiding in a house that uh, looks like the Munsters should live there is uh, one of the lines that's... So, so not like a when legion they, of doom. It's just a dilapidated house, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the the Fantastic Four apparently searches like every home in Jersey uh, because they're saying... Uh, Something where where do they say it? They're saying something like, this is the only house we haven't checked. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then they comment that it looks like the Munsters should be living here. Yep. Yep. Which I guess is just a little pop culture reference for people, I guess. Yep. Stan letting uh, people know that he watches TV. Yeah. <laughs> totally normal guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that's pretty much all that happened two months ago. Um, and then last month in Fantastic Four number 42, to save you, why must I kill you? Is Which the title. might be the best well, story good... name that we've ever had so far. Again, or Slayer Slayer song. We there's so many metal names, uh, like song names in these, especially Fantastic Four. It's just when uh, Stan's trying to wax a little poetic in the title, but it just sounds like metal. Yeah. Um. Well, so Johnny and Sue free themselves, but Reed has hands full trying to defend himself against the thing who, who crams him into a small metal urn. It's pretty hilarious. Just like bashes the lid. Um, Johnny tries to find the frightful four so he and Sue can escape, but he winds up getting captured because he's Johnny. Uh, while Sue and then Sue escapes and frees Reed, um, then the wizard uses his idling to brainwash Johnny. So now he's got Johnny and Ben. Uh, Sue and return to try and rescue their teammates and stick the wizard's anti-gravity discs to the Sandman, Lapster, and Medusa, and Medusa with the Trapster's own paste, or as we like to call this pot, Pete's own paste. Um, they they also stick one to Ben so they can try and bring it back to the Baxter building. Uh, but before Reed and Sue can escape with Ben, the wizard orders John to surround them with a wall of flame. And there's something about that that anti-grav disc stuck to him. He's just like. It's like a big, like a Macy's Day float. He's just this <laughs> giant. He's just obviously the way he's drawn. Uh, Kirby's made it so he's obviously weightless and kind of like awkward in whatever position you see him in, like one leg other than his head. And yeah, like a turtle on its back. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> he lo- and he's, he's so like- angry still. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what so what happens next? Uh Fantastic Four number forty-three, Lo, there shall be an ending. And that might uh, be the thank- worst name for a story of anything that we have read so far. <laughs> yeah. He really did not spend a lot of time online. Um Johnny's Wall of Flame fails to keep Reed and Sue, Reed and Sue from escaping with Ben in Johnny's own car. You might think this is just because the torch is incompetent which, you know, wouldn't blame you. And that there's a large body of evidence to support it. So, uh, but we actually find out that Sue sabotaged the wizard's id machine before he used it on Johnny. So he was never re-hypnotized. He's just been playing along to help Reed and Sue. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's really a flawless plan because he is such a screw up most of the time that. Yeah. And then know, I was actually impressed with, uh, with him in this. Yeah. A little bit. He yeah, if his job back. is yeah. to be incompetent, like he's going to nail it. That's that's what he does. Yeah, very believable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you'd think maybe he would be overly competent because he's trying to be incompetent. So, you know, it's, maybe there's less belief there. Um, right. I, no, well, it, there it, was so much incompetence on the on the villains in this. Like, you glossed over that last issue so much. You missed a lot of really good stuff. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah when they captured uh, the Fantastic Four and they put that ridiculous contraption on the flame. Uh, oh, yes. That if that would spray water on him if he turned his flames on. Oh. But then <laughs> he just like a, he just, just turned his flames on real hot, really fast and, and ruined the thing. And so it, yeah. <laughs> it just didn't even work. 
They were not yeah, very so good. The, traps. the device yeah, it, is like a. It's like a chest. It's like a. Like it looks like a little jet pack on the chest, but it's just basically a sprinkler that yeah. will go off if he moves. Yeah, it's well, sort of the and dumbest then they, thing. And then they tried to trap Reed by sticking him to a board with a bunch of paste, but he's elastic, so it's like, okay, you know, his back is stuck to it, but the guy's made of rubber. Like he can do, you know, he can still like get away, and then he just tricks Ben into smashing the board, and then he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. tricking and, Ben uh, is not the most difficult thing to do. Not at all. No. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, yeah. And also like the, you know, over and over again, it's emphasized that the frightful four, they don't have the, the camaraderie or the chemistry that the fantastic four have, you know, um, no. like Medusa no leadership. Yeah. Well, the, the wizard is trying to assert his leadership, but Medusa's, you know, working overtime, like trying to sabotage him and be taken seriously as a leader. And she's got um, Pacepot Pete and the Sandman like uh, wrapped around her finger and they're getting mad at each other because they want to impress her. It's like it's just it's a mess. Yeah, I I mean, and it, it at least a couple of the issues that look like uh, um, Medusa really should be the leader. She yeah. Has, oh, like, yeah. A, much better uh she can like make a snap judgment based on the facts and come up with a decent plan whereas the the wizard's gonna make a nine-step plan that takes you know four years to come to fruition with out of luck um yeah and he's still gonna wind up getting beaten by the human torch somehow yeah just the dumbest (laughs) guy Uh, yeah um yeah so the so johnny's plain incompetent uh perfectly the role he was born to play (laughs) yeah but the wizard doesn't know it yet um and after reading sue gay with ben the wizard orders the torch to help him rescue uh, the other members of the fright four um so back at the their lair the wizard and medusa realize that the machine has been tampered with and figure out that the torch is not actually brainwashed after all uh and then then they ambush him and knock him out pretty fast yeah Uh, yeah again not competent um no and also i mean we'll be fair to johnny it was four against one um, true and he he didn't know that they knew that he was not brainwashed so they also got him by surprise but um yeah but yeah and medusa really helped with that like grabbing pace pot pete's gun to oh shoot yeah johnny <laughs> yeah she's like sneaks um, but, her hair around because yeah, apparently yeah. he's too incompetent to do it on his own but uh, who knows <laughs> But, I think she liked humiliating uh, Pace Pot. Yeah, and I think he was into it. So yeah, she's asserting her dominance. Um, the so back at the back building, the thing is still very much trying to kill Reed, um, but he's still got the gravity disc stuck to him, which lets Reed keep him off balance. Then Reed chucks it in what he calls an escape-proof experimental lab, which begs the question. Why exactly does Reed have an escape-proof experimental lab? That's yeah, a very good a question. Lot, <laughs> lot that's, to unpack there. Whenever you have a scientist describing his lab as escape-proof, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. also everybody just seems to have sleeping gas on hand all the time. Like, yeah, it's yeah, sleeping hard ga- to go in, in a room and in not the be 60s, gassed. Everything was sleeping gas and quicksand. That's uh, those are the two <laughs> things to be feared by every man. <laughs> the scariest yeah. technologies. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of like beams also uh, in the next uh, or in that 
in the annual that we're going to get to. Oh, There's yes. Some really <laughs> funny panels. <but>. Yep. <laughs> um, well, so getting wrapping this up, um, Reed, Reed gasses Ben in his escape proof experimental lab, mm-hmm. uh, knocks him out in preparing for attempting to deprogram him. Um, so he's going to try to do what describes as some scary surgery <laughs> or something to his mind that if anything gone will kill him. Uh, ben wakes yep. up halfway through that procedure and destroys Reed's machine. But was he in it long enough to undo the effects of the wizard's id machine? <gasps> Don't know. We'll have to find out <laughs> in a bit because then our, she- our scene shifts. Oh, yeah. Over to uh, the Latverian embassy where we see doom. Uh, he's, uh, Dr. Doom's hands are almost healed from Ben crushing them three months ago. So he's real mad. Uh, Doom vows revenge to no one in particular. As soon as his hands are healed, he's able to operate his emotion changer ray, uh, is what he calls it. (laughs) Sounds lame. Sounds, I mean, id machines didn't sound super cool, but it does now, um, so we'll let you know how that works out when we talk about <laughs> Fantastic Four annual number three a little bit later in the podcast. Um, yeah, a little tease for the annual. Yeah. There's also a little tease for the annual in the comic here. There's a lot of like yes. banner ads, you know. Oh, this, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of cross promotion. <laughs> like it stands really going into overdrive with the you must read every Marvel comic every month. Uh, yeah, which we're doing. And, and it, he, he's doing writing a, a little tongue in cheek here, unabashed advertisement. Even he realizes how disgusting this is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's even calling himself out as like a gag, but uh, also, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is three guys who work in marketing saying this to you. Yeah, <laughs> you're t- too much, too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the Frightful Four um, head to the Baxter building and infrate it, expecting to only have to deal with Reed and Sue uh, before they attack the reveal that they've strapped Johnny to a giant anti-grav disc and are ready to shoot him up beyond atmosphere if Reed and Sue don't surrender. So pretty solid hostage thing. Sure. Um, Reed stalls for time, giving Ben a chance to recover. Um, Wizard makes the mistake of getting too close to him and Ben crushes his armor, which contains his anti-grav control, of course, um, and Torch Friesenelf and the Fantastic Four are finally reunited. So, yeah. yeah. Which I think for the first time in the entire story, this is the first time that all four of them are free and on the same team. And now it's time for some payback. Yeah. And it started with, you know, Ben had already walked out because of right. being changed back into Rocky Ben. Um, so uh, the FF pretty quickly captures Wizard Sandman and Trapster, but Johnny let Dusa escape because he's got a little crush on her. Um, uh, yeah. And Reed. But didn't she have like a, a little thing she, earlier in the comic where she was worried about being weak and feminine yeah i think so when she first was introduced might have been back when you were last on the show it was yeah. a, no well it was in the last comic or did you cover those comics in the last show no no would you you mean the the, the these last three uh, comics no maybe she did yeah, say that, that she's been trying she, to yeah again assert that it's, she uh, was having feelings uh and then realized that that would seem weak <laughs> and feminine yeah. It's hard to be a lady in the 60s. It is. Yeah. She needs a motion changer, Ray. That'll fix it. Do you think that's what why Doom created that thing? Do you think it was because of lady trouble? 
Probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he's got a messed up face. Well, uh, he's got he's like, like some yeah, real personality like a little bit issues. Of, yeah, an incel type of thing going on there. You know, he's ugly, and he's like, uh, girls won't have sex with me because I'm ugly. But really, he has a bad personality. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so he hates women. So, but even though Johnny lets Medusa escape, Reed still lets Johnny walk the frightful three to the police station. So maybe he's not exactly the world's smartest man at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, ben yeah, is rap- but he, I think he also sees, he saw what, what went down. He's like, I don't understand, boy. You had enough time to reach her before she could enter the ship. He's just like, what the hell did you do? And then... Uh, <laughs> It's okay, okay. So I goofed for once. Get off my <laughs> back, once. will ya? For what? He goofs like multiple times uh, per panel. Yep. He goofs getting out of bed. <laughs> you can slide he right out. He runs out of his damn superpower every minute. Ben is racked with guilt for everything he put his teammates through, but Reed and Sue hold no grudges. They're just happy to have him back, and Reed is especially happy that he didn't have to go and find a new best man for his wedding. Yeah. Uh, again, which is coming up in the annual. Um, yep. But the Frightful Four don't reappear again for quite a while, like 50 issues or so. Yeah. Um, That's we'll probably s- good. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> just put that on the shelf and try to come up with something else. Uh we do see Medusa again very soon, though. And but for now, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, wedding bells are going to chime for Reed Richards and uh, Susan Storm. Oh, I can't oh, wait. Man. We will be right back here on Marvel by the Month. All right. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, it's time to go to a wedding, gentlemen. Uh, Fantastic Four annual number three. Uh, the story is called Bedlam at the Baxter Building, but really, this is all about the marriage of Reed Richards and Susan Storm. Uh, I believe the first wedding we have had in the Marvel Age of Comics so far. Um, the story was written by Stan Lee, uh, art by Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta. Um, and so uh, this is the third Fantastic Four annual. Um, it features two reprints and an original story. Uh, so it reprints uh, Fantastic Four number six, uh, which uh, is the Submariner and Doctor Doom team up. Uh, Fantastic Four eleven, uh, which is two stories: the Fantastic Four answering their mail and the first appearance of the Impossible Man, um, and then uh, the wedding uh, story. So um, we are all married gentlemen. Um, so uh, I believe we bring uh, a level of insight and expertise to the story. Um, where, you know, we can comment on how similar or dissimilar this was to our own weddings. Um, so please feel free at any point. (laughs) Yeah, this is same. Yeah. Same for me. (laughs) Dr. Doom was trying to mess up our wedding. Uh, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure that wasn't just your brother? Oh, that was my brother. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Uh, I want to point out this is, uh, the cover here, uh, is awesome, but, um, yes. 25 cents, mm-hmm. 72 big pages. Right. Uh, they're actually uh, just regular it? size pages. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I suspected that <laughs> that was a not a legally binding description of a page. So, uh, the, um, but, I mean, that seems like a good deal to me, 25 cents. I, I was seeing that th- those other single issues were uh, 12 cents. Yeah. So just for double the money, you get this. Uh, awesome annual yep. plus uh, 
multiple it's like other three and a half comics worth yeah. yeah yeah well so i mean just the the two reprint issues that's 24 cents right there and then you know this wedding story is much more worth much more than one cent so yeah you're coming out ahead <laughs> and it was it was already hard to get a whole we were talking about this last uh last episode but yeah. um when you're since they're not like constantly printing or doing huge prints if it if you miss it um, you might not ever read that comic again yeah. unless they decide to put it into an annual, which is how I think both Brian and I were talking about that. But I definitely uh, read a lot of the origin stories and other pieces that were they were just parts of annuals and the comics in the you know 80s and stuff that I was reading. This is a tremendous value um, for your 25 cents. I think the cover blur basically says it all. Um, it says, uh, the wedding of Sue and Reed featuring the world's most colossal collection of costumed characters, crazily cavorting and capering in continual combat. This is the big one. I mean, <laughs> this issue is basically, it's basically Avengers Endgame before Avengers Endgame. Pretty much. It, it, I laughed out loud reading this. It's absurd. Yes. Uh, it, there's so many cameos. Yes. It's <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, the fact like, that also if you made it into a movie, it would be boring because there would be a fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like that's my problem with some of the 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 new Marvel universe yeah. uh, movies. Yeah. Is it's just a relentless slog of of spectacular battles that somehow managed to get boring because of yeah. that. Fact. Like if I have to cut to another hero for three seconds doing something, yeah. I mean, I just wish it would be over at this point. There's a lot of exploding. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and they throw everything at this. Like that cover, I counted. It has more than fifty different characters on it, um, which is pretty much everyone uh, who had appeared in Marvel comics at this point. Um, I think the only two, so- like the only two major characters who don't show up. Namor doesn't show up because he's off on a quest for Neptune's trident. They like, even explain why he doesn't show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Hulk, uh, the Hulk is like he's getting into a thing with the leader, um, so he's not available either. But um, other than that, like pretty much anyone who has shown up in a Marvel comic at this point, um, they wind up in this issue. Um, so let me ask you, yeah. since you guys are the the experts here, on the cover, up in the top left. Next to the F in Fantastic Four, who is that cowboy? Uh, that's probably the Rawhide Kid. Okay. Yeah. Who doesn't actually make it to the wedding as far as we see. But no. I think they, yeah. were, they just threw him on there because uh, because he he's a Marvel character. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, his, I, his book sold like really well. Yeah. So Kirby little nod there. Yeah. Yep. Or it's, I don't yeah, it's probably the Rawhead Kid. It's maybe like, uh, isn't one of the enforcers like a guy with a lariat? The lasso guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, or or maybe it's just, you know, Cowboy Jim, uh, who Jack just felt like drawing that day. Yeah, Yeah. he wandered into the shot. (laughs) God damn it. Yep. Uh, So anyway, there's, for the story such as it is, there's not a ton of story to this. Um it's basically like it starts out with Dr. Doom. Um, he's seeking revenge on the Fantastic Four for his most recent defeat. Uh, he uses that emotion charger, uh, which was teased in the issue of Fantastic Four that we just talked about, uh, to, quote, fan the flames of hatred in the heart of every evil menace in existence. Um, so bold words. Um, mm-hmm. 
so after we uh, we get the setup uh, with Doom, um, we see there's a huge crowd of fans and reporters outside the Baxter building where Ben Grimm and S.H.I.E.L.D. are running security and welcoming guests uh, to the <laughs> wedding of Reed and Sue. Um, Before oh, we, we go we, any farther, yeah. I just want to point out one thing is uh, Dr. Doom is reading the newspaper on his throne. Yep. And uh, he finds out that the wedding is today mm-hmm. uh, is an important <laughs> thing because he fires up this emotion controller machine the day of the wedding. Yes. Uh, so I feel like that's a really important uh, piece of information when the villains start showing up to this wedding uh, and the, <laughs> the amount of preparation it appears that they've put into their uh, to their uh, crashing of this wedding. Right. That's true. It is. It's a, like a nice excuse for the villains not being overly prepared because they're just sort of compelled by this. And Oh, one thing is doom calls it the emotion charger here. And it was the emotion changer ray. Oh my man. So I'm getting a no prize. I was going to say someone's going for a no prize here. Uh, uh, I, I think I think your no prize explanation is uh, an overworked editorial staff, which was Stan. Like that was yep. the editorial staff, um, and possibly some sloppy lettering. Um, but yeah. <laughs> also, I think time is uh, time has elapsed, so he may have changed the name of his dumb machine. Also. Right. True. It's this is better than um, emotion changer Ray. Now right. it's just the emotion charger. Which... He's just amplifying what's already there. <laughs> yeah. he's charging it yeah. um yeah um so yeah okay. so so like basically every uh major marvel hero uh is showing up as a guest at this wedding um and including a few other folks who uh were in marvel books that marvel was publishing at the time um but had not um shown up in a, a marvel superhero comic at this point including uh patsy walker and heady wolf um they were stars of a number of Atlas Comics teen humor comics, which are sort of like uh, their version of Betty and Veronica. So before Stan went all in on superheroes, um, you had uh, Patty, uh, Patsy and Heedy. Um, you had uh, Millie the Model um, and all these who other... Who they name drop. Who uh, they name drop, right. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they had some Western books too, which weren't part of you know these Marvel superhero universe, but... Um, but they work them into, uh, to this annual, which is kind of cool. So, um, it's that whole, there's like, even big tent crossover the, thing. Yeah. There's even that chant of people asking for, uh, we want Irving Forbush. Yes. <laughs> In the same shot with Patsy Walker. Yep. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we have the guests showing up, um, and then, uh, Dr. Doom's emotion charger, uh, incites a nonstop parade of villains into attacking the wedding. Uh, virtually all of Marvel here, Marvel's heroes uh, rise to the challenge. Um, and this is basically the whole issue. Like it's, it's really just an excuse to do like one fight scene wrestling fan. It's basically the Royal rumble um, where like, yeah, every two minutes someone else shows up only lasting a few panels. Yeah. There's so many villains uh, showing up and so many superheroes uh, appearing just in the nick of time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to squash each one of these battles. Yeah. And it, it's crossovers. And some too. are short. Oh yeah. Some of them are super <laughs> short, but, it, but they're all, they're also all like crossover fights. So you have like heroes who had never seen these villains. Like it, it's these new conflicts and new pairings, um, which are pretty cool. So, um, like it starts out with the puppet master, um, who 
for some reason is is back to his original appearance um with no explanation like the last time he showed up he looked like uncle <laughs> fester and he got turned into like a plastic statue or something no explanation for why no he... you would have loved that he had like oh, pr- God, plastic yeah. surgery in order to not look like that, but look like Uncle Fester and wore like a giant <laughs> turtleneck too. <laughs> and he's still totally bald and whatever else. Yeah, you know, just, yeah. He made he he got plastic surgery to look even more freakish and ugly somehow. <laughs> more distinctive. Uh, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I should use something, you know, less loaded. Um but yeah, so so uh, the puppet master controls a wedding guest um, who he sends to try to poison Ben Grimm, but S.H.I.E.L.D. jumps in, Nick Fury and his crew, um, and they stop you him. see that karate chop right on his neck? Yep, that'll do it. <laughs> um, then the mole man and, uh, and his moloid minions, um, they drill up from the floor of the Baxter building, um, and they wind up getting into a fight with the X-Men, who I don't think have ever seen each other before. Um, uh, the red ghost, the red ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Super apes. Yeah. And those super apes are there. They attack Sue and Alicia, um, Reed, Ben and Johnny fight them off. And then Dr. Strange shows up and just teleports them into another dimension. Um, that's that. (laughs) I love that the apes go after, I just somehow the specifically the apes going after Sue and possibly messing up her wedding dress is what I think of because having been through couple of these things um just like that's the worst like the last villain you want maybe not paste pot pete either but uh just anybody who's gonna screw up your wedding gown yeah that's like and uh sending in the 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 apes to do it it's just like well i also like the humiliation that uh the thing has to face because he gets zapped by a trained baboon that's super <laughs> small like just barely bigger than his head and jumps on his back and electrocutes him yeah <laughs> what a bonehead yeah oh man um yeah and then it just keeps going from there uh thor and the super scroll duke it out above the skies of manhattan um, <laughs> like a uh, hydra yeah. hydra tries to drive a what they call a vortex bomb into the Baxter building and daredevil, uh, goes to, to intercept that. Um, yeah. Uh, so a blind guy, yeah. Uh, commandeers a truck yeah, with this a is... vortex bomb on the back of it. And he's now <laughs> like appears to be driving it. Yeah. I... Yeah. And he's in a speed situation too, where like he, <laughs> yeah, he can't go below uh, 55 miles an hour. <laughs> he's got to get the thing out of town and he can't hit anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's a little game of operation inside of a truck with a blind guy driving. And Noah, this is not <laughs> the first time that we've seen uh daredevil drive a truck <laughs> Or an out of control vehicle with an explosive in it. So uh, this is at least the second time that this has happened, if not more. So uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Captain America and Hawkeye, uh, they hold off Cobra in the Executioner and the Enchantress, and Spider Man shows up to offer an assist there. Um, the Angel and the Black Knight fight in the sky. Uh, and then um, poor Iceman gets ganged up on by uh, Electro and the Mandarin and the unicorn and the melter and the beetle. Um, and like, Oh, that's that awesome shot of them all. Um, 
shooting just laser beams or whatever. Yes. <laughs> it's like uh, a real team up. Yeah. I also uh, love the fact that the Mandarin is involved in this, despite the fact that we were told that like the Hulk couldn't be triggered because he was too far away. Namor couldn't be triggered because he was too far away. But the Mandarin who's in China somehow was susceptible to showed the up day of day of day yeah. of. Yep. That's a, that's what I like. Uh, some of these guys showing up fine. Maybe they were in the city at the time or whatever. Some of these other guys are showing up with like a whole bunch of people and a bunch of gear. Uh, I'm just impressed with the amount of organization these guys can put together. Yeah. However, Mr. Hyde Hawkeye <laughs> getting foiled by Hawkeye. Yeah. He's got a bow and arrow and what he shoots instead of an arrow is handcuffs. That's yeah. what he shoots out of his bow. Yep. That's lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, uh, Hawkeye's, uh, he's not the most compelling character. Um, no, he's yeah. only in, uh, he's, is he even in the panel or is it just his hands? <laughs> he's, he barely appears in this. He's just one of those guys <laughs> who his, like, yeah. It's his hands. And the only way you know it's him is because he's the only person lame enough to have a bow and arrow. But also <laughs> somebody has to shout out who it is. Right. Uh, <laughs> Oh man! And oh, then he, he, it's him. He says, "Don't applaud." Hawkeye does it every time. Oh, he announces who he <laughs> He's is. He's the one yeah. who. They're like, "Who the hell is that guy?" And he's like, "It's me, Hawkeye." <laughs> who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-uh. no, I got nothing. I never heard of you. I guess the arrow <laughs> oh. guy has a name. It's oh, Green he is Arrow. In a couple no, more. wrong universe. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so Iron Man fights the Mad Thinker and the awesome Android. Um. And then in one of the most satisfying moments, I thought, uh, of the entire issue, uh, Quicksilver knocks out the human top in like two panels. Uh, He just runs (laughs) alongside him and then KOs him. Um, Yeah. And, you know, the the human top sucks so much. Yeah. It's really nice to see him just get clocked. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And and the (laughs) fact that like he's a giant man villain. Right. And this is a guy who like has kept giant man busy across two issues uh of his own title so i mean just do the math uh on how much better that makes quicksilver than giant man um, <laughs> it's like two panels yeah, done yeah exactly <laughs> um and then i think one of my favorite parts of the story um is when uh atuma uh namor's rival um for uh, uh for domination of atlantis um he tries to invade manhattan uh, at the exact same moment that Daredevil, who's still driving that bomb around town, he, he tries it straight off a pier and into a Tuma's army and blows them all up. Um, it destroys just, the entire army. Yeah, the whole yep. thing. Yeah, yep. Thinks them, and and uh, also again, these guys just like sh- show up with a whole army. Day yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, it's just what a great wedding. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> wedding. Uh, so as all this stuff is going on and, and again, like 75% of this issue is just about like, let's have all the supervillains and all the superheroes fight. Um, then the watcher shows up, uh, and he appears to read Richards. Uh, he takes him to his home, um, and, uh, to preserve the very slightest shred of his vow of non-interference, uh, Uatu tells Reed that there's something in his home that is going to help him out. Um, yeah, I'm so- not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> it's like a Willy Wonka so situation. Yeah, yeah. It really is. <laughs> yeah, Uatu is a Wonka. Uh, and he, uh, so Reed, uh, after carefully thinking, uh, he selects a device, 
Um, he returns to Earth, he activates the device, and it turns out that it's a subatronic time displacer capable of transporting living beings back to the immediate past, um, where they will have no memory of attacking the wedding. So uh, there you go. That's that's how we brought all this to a resolution, is that we had, you know, a magical figure give Reed a magical device, um, and he pushed a button, and it undid everything. Yeah, Ta-da! so uh, I, I mean, I got some problems with it, but... <laughs> Yeah, this is the equivalent of um, it, it was all in the mind of a crazy person yes. or uh, it was just a dream. It's just a dream. Yeah. Uh, or uh, like in Lost when they got renewed for too many seasons, they're like, Shit, we just got to add time travel to this uh, to undo all this plot crap that we got ourselves into. Yeah. So uh, and I mean, it works. Uh, it's cool tech. Sure. It's pretty cocky for him to have picked a piece of alien technology that he's never seen in his life. Right. Um, that he's also warned um, its power is unimaginable, and if it's used wrongly, it will destroy you. Right. Uh, I can say no more other than that. <laughs> that you probably shouldn't use that. Yeah. Uh, and then he uses it. And then after, it's like when, remember when, uh, well, you don't remember, but uh, you've read that when they detonated the atomic bomb, they thought that it may cause a chain reaction in the atmosphere to yes. destroy the whole world. Yeah. And they were like, oh, fuck it. Like, <laughs> let's just, what's the worst that could happen besides destroying the entire world? <laughs> uh, so I guess he was like kind of in that. And it's to save a wedding, for God's sake. So, right. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I... I've come full circle or whatever they call that. Uh, I, I think it is cool. A cool plot device. <laughs> yeah. Also, it looks like a, a really big um, souped up slide projector with like <laughs> some kind of a fake heart or boxing gloves on the top of it. Yeah. And it's these... a really cool Kirby looking uh, c- contraption. Yeah. And is I that th- an organic thing on top? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it looks, but it, um, I feel like that thing on the top of this machine should be explored by some comics writers right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do like that Kang shows up. He shows up in three panels. Like they're talking about villains from the future. They yep. show him and then they show him just sort of in the background of one scene. And then they show him here getting zapped <laughs> through in the time travel device. <laughs> and I'm like, Kang did not contribute to this thing at all. Not at all. No. Uh, oh well, did you guys also notice the the thing treats Daredevil like crap? <laughs> also, Murdoch, something's happened. As our lawyer, would you tell the guests? Oh, this is Murdoch. He says, "Of course," but is there anything that I can do? And then Thing says, "Sure, do what I t- do what he told you to without asking fool questions." <laughs> That's how you treat a lawyer, man. So yeah, uh, treated really poorly, uh, but he doesn't seem too bent out of shape about it no he gets to ride a bomb into the river again yeah he's he, like, uh, he gets to blow up I'll a bunch of fish guys truck yeah. to blow off some steam <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's 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 a wild ride um uh and, and once it's all over so 23 and a half pages uh into this issue um <laughs> the villains are all defeated uh and we finally move on to the actual wedding which lasts all of half a page, um, and uh, two panels really. Yeah, yeah, really. Like we don't even get the vows. We just cut no, to just, just the kiss. Cut straight to the yep. kiss the bride. Yeah. Um, 
because uh, you know things st- crying. Stan knows what his audience of twelve-year-old boys wants, um, and it's not weddings. Um, no, it's certainly not. Yeah, uh, and then uh, there's a great bit at the end um, to wrap it all up. Uh, with uh, there's two party crashers uh, trying to weasel their way into the wedding, but they don't have invites, um, and Nick Fury bounces them. Um, and it turns out that it's uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, um, and uh, they are very incensed that they are not allowed into the wedding, uh, and they promise Fury that they have ways of getting even with him. Um, <laughs> and that's how the story ends. So, hooray! Yeah, it's I, I love the just the little dialogue between them in the very last panel. Um, how about that? Imagine them keeping us out, Stan. We'll show him Jack. Let's get back to the bullpen and start writing the next ish. So that's their <laughs> threat. <laughs> yep. I think uh, they, I, they I, mainly have it out for Peter Parker, but you know, that's just, <laughs> he yeah. just always has the most miserable life. <laughs> I also like the way that that last panel is a tacit, uh, endorsement of the fact that uh stan and jack wrote all the fantastic four comics together um which uh i believe that when jack turned around and sued marvel comics in the 80s that was not the party line but i wonder if this (laughs) panel was ever entered into evidence yeah we'll share it with you together as always yes (laughs) um so there you go that's the wedding reed and sue are married uh and uh it was all very lovely um not the most romantic wedding uh, that I've ever seen, but it was uh, certainly the most eventful. More fist fights than your average wedding, that's for sure. Yeah. Although, I don't know. it could have gone either way with Rob's. <laughs> My first one, especially. Uh, <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, there we go. Um, that is uh, That wraps up the wedding issue of uh, Fantastic Four. Um, so we're going to take another break, uh, and when we come back, we're going to, uh, wrap up the cliffhanger storyline from the last X-Men story we talked about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Marvel by the Month. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, let's jump into X-Men number 13, the X-Men versus Juggernaut. Um, this is called Where Walks the Juggernaut, um, written by Stan Lee, layouts by Jack Kirby, art by Jay Gavin, who is Werner Roth, uh, with Joe Sinnott. Um, last issue, we learned that Charles Xavier had a Dickensian level unhappy childhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the unhappiest parts of it was his stepbrother, Kane Marco. Um, Marco deserted under fire in Korea and discovered the crimson gem of Cytorak. And, uh, Charles was there too. Yes. Uh, this transformed him into the unstoppable juggernaut juggernaut attacked Xavier's school and plowed through the X-Men and their defenses before standing face to face with his brother at the end of the previous issue. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. Yes. Very scary. Yeah. He, he just kind of tore through everything um the x-men had spent all this time setting up defenses and he just juggernauted through them um because that's what he does and so so we wanted to cover this because juggernaut is such a major character in the marvel universe and also because this story guest stars noah's favorite character the human torch (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we pick up right where the last issue left off um like we're looking straight under juggernaut at charles is sitting in his wheelchair 
um, and a bunch of destruction. So Professor X tries to brain blast the juggernaut because that's literally how the X-Men have won 90% of their fights so far. Um, you know, they all fight, they lose, then he brain blasts the villain. Done. Yep. And everyone uh, goes out this, for beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we did great. Um, but it doesn't work. The juggernaut's psionic helmet prevents Xavier's powers from working on him. So... Now, what are you going to do? Um, Cyclops, Cyclops blasts a hole in the floor under the juggernaut, which gets him out of their hair for a few minutes, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Uh, then Professor X dons his new Mento helmet. It's the, it's fresh, the fresh helmet. Yeah. <laughs> to increase his power, sending mental waves of energy across the city as he does. Um, then the juggernaut digs himself well, out of the hole. I just wanted oh, to... This is one... <laughs> so... The thing I loved about this is Juggernaut smashes through their fortress like it's made of cardboard, they say. Uh, And he's just trashing the place and they can barely slow him down. But uh, he doesn't just throw this helmet on. He Moving with the speed and skill of a master, Professor Charles Xavier works like a a man possessed as the critical seconds tick by. So he's like sort of building this contraption. Yeah. Yeah. in an emergency. And it reminded me of the, those shows where a hacker is like infiltrating, <laughs> uh, the mainframe and then somebody's writing code in real time to combat the hackers. Uh, <laughs> that's essentially what this is. He's like building some super technology <laughs> while someone's trying to bash down the door, basically. Yeah. That he's then going to put on his head and <laughs> it's like, yes. hope this works. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I also don't remember what he's a professor of, but I don't think it's engineering. Um, (laughs) European history. (laughs) Well, without the use of his legs, his hands are twice as dexterous. (laughs) That is literally a Stan Lee level explanation for how this works. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, um, Professor X puts on his Mento helmet. Uh, then he, he uh, Juggernaut digs himself out of the hole. The mental waves of energy from the Mento helmet reach Johnny Storm, and he hears in his head Professor X say that the X Men are in trouble um, because of what he just experienced with Doctor Doom's emotion charger. He thinks it's a trap, so he thinks he's just gonna. Be, it's the be rare moment. Into a trap. It's the rare moment where Johnny Storm actually thinks something through, and he's wrong, right. of course, because he's Johnny Storm. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that he's like actually like, wait a minute, like the one time he yeah. picks to think twice about something, of course, it's the wrong time to do it. Right, but uh, because he's Johnny Storm he decides what the heck and follows professor <laughs> X's thought beam back to the mansion. So he did, you know, he pauses, but he still uh, stays true to form. Yeah. So, um, so it's like he, he has the right impulse, which leads to the wrong outcome. And then he has the wrong impulse, which accidentally leads to the right outcome. <laughs> yep. That's Johnny storm failing up. Yep. Uh, as the torch distracts. So at this point in the comic, also, uh, Juggernaut has mentioned that uh, Enchanted Temple of Sidorak uh, at least like four times. Oh, yeah. He won't stop talking about it. Yep. He wants everyone Such to a, know where his power comes from. <laughs> yeah. A real game changer for him, obviously. <laughs> Maybe he gets an... It's an endorsement he, he, deal. Like, well, he's like, oh. no, no, it's like, it's like a CrossFit <laughs> thing. It's like, 
you know, it, 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 if someone oh. you know does CrossFit, you know that they do CrossFit, yeah. you know, so it's He's like, like a vegan and doing CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Buddy, Think about those people in uh, quarantine right now, too. It just oh, like God. they're, they're going to FaceTime their friends and just like make them miserable. Do you guys want to do like a Zoom meeting where we just do CrossFit? And no. Yeah, just no. talk about CrossFit, not do it. <laughs> uh, so right. uh okay. As the torch so the torch distracts the juggernaut, um, and the angel swoops down and rips the helmet off. Um, with the juggernaut's head now exposed, Professor X then brain blasts him and knocks him out. So now 95% of the X-Men's battles have ended with Professor X (laughs) doing that. (laughs) Professor X wipes the torch's memory clean of the battle just for fun and sends him back to the Baxter building. Um, I guess he wouldn't want him to know where they are exactly, but it did. It always seems like just so cavalier the way people get their minds erased by him. Just like, yeah. And he's like, uh, uh, I'm going to wipe your mind right now, but just know like we're, we're really grateful. Well, <laughs> what for the split second I have before you wipe my mind. <laughs> it just seems like uh, a questionable. Uh, it's like, is it even, it's against his will. I, it's, yeah, like, it's not him. ethical at all. It, no, it is at all. Yeah. Well, and, and this is also still that kind of weird uh, part in Marvel history where, Professor X is always hanging out with the X-Men and always shows up wherever they show up, but no one knows that he is affiliated with them. So they think he's just a school teacher or, you know, he, he's an academic, um, despite the fact that he's always got this super powered posse surrounding him at any given moment. So I guess he probably spends a lot of time erasing people's minds. So they forget that part, but then like, why don't you just stay home, dude? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, so you got one guy, he's got an escape-proof lab, and this other dude that wipes people's minds every day. Yeah. Uh, these guys, <laughs> I don't know. I liked, uh, <laughs> one of the panels I really liked is that first panel on page 16 where he's finally taken off that Fresh Maker helmet that he made. Um, and he said that, uh, my brain has been fortified to the maximum degree. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> i just like to that he fortified his brain i i don't know what that means but obviously he's, he's very powerful uh, yeah in the yeah. mind right now um the and the story ends with gene gray uh playing nursemaid to the four injured ex-boys three of whom are, are pretty horny for it yeah so yeah they're lame. like dude these guys are boner fest yeah i mean they're all teenage boys so you know there's that and it's the 60s so you know of course you don't take a woman's feelings into account um no when you uh objectify her right yeah i mean yeah well the one kid uh his plan for getting it on with the the nurse is uh, my mother used to kiss me to expedite my recovery. Yeah. It's like, uh, bro, oh. dude. Just double creep I, right there. So many yeah. lines yeah, being and crossed. All, that's some Kavanaugh shit right there, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I mean, that's some weird, dark business right there. Yeah. Uh, and now he's like in an orphanage or whatever for like crazy people or mutants or. <laughs> child armies yeah uh 
um, Professor X tells everybody, you know, while they're recovering that as soon as they're back to health, he has something for them. And then it turns out it's a broom for each of them because his stepbrother trashed their home trying to kill him and they get to clean it up as a thank you for saving his life. What a great guy. <laughs> Just the worst. Again, yeah. Like mind wipe. It's like he could have him clean up the whole place, mind wipe them. Actually, you know, now I'm starting to think there's benefits to this. <laughs> having your mind wiped. True. If you don't it's, remember it's, having to clean an entire mansion, did you actually yeah. have to clean an entire right. mansion? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that's getting the, high and doing the dishes. That's what I do. That's kind of the, like, oh, dark God. twilight zone shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, gentlemen, we've made it through uh, the high points of these issues. Uh, we're running a little long, so uh, I think what we should do is I just... apologize. Uh, no. No apologies <laughs> necessary. Um, I think we should just uh, skip straight to our panels of the month um, and talk a little bit about uh, things that jumped out at us uh, that uh, really stuck with us. Um, And uh, I will go first. Um, So uh, my panel of the month comes from uh, Strange Tales number 137, which is an issue we didn't talk about, uh, but it's a uh, um, features another uh, Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. story. Um, so my panel comes from page four, panel four, um, where, uh, so just prior to this, um, we have, uh, Nick Fury going down into the R and D lab at shield. Um, and he basically meets his version of Q, um, who is giving him all these different gadgets to help him, you know, do his super spy thing. One of the things he gives him, uh, is a suit that's made out of like a steel mesh, um, and uh, so Fury puts it on um, and he steps into a little room uh, and then all four walls of the room drop uh, and he just gets shot at by four guys with machine guns uh, from four different angles. And he's like, what the hell? Um, but then that's when you realize that the suit is bulletproof um, and he's fine. But just like the fact that that comes as as much a surprise to Fury as it does to the reader. Um, I, I mean, I think there's probably a better way to show off that you're wearing a bulletproof suit now. Um, but there's, you know, it's probably the most impactful way to get the point across. So, um, that's, that's (laughs) the the panel. I really put an eye out. You could seriously put an eye out just messing around with, you know, well, yeah, I mean, his his head's not wearing a bulletproof suit. He's already lost one eye. (laughs) 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 Well, I, That might be a I, fashion patch, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, mine is actually the same. Uh, it's the same story. I just, you know, oh, how wow. crazy I went. Uh, just that first panel from the Strange Tales one thirty seven. The, it's the sort of comms room uh, at Shield headquarters with, um, with Nick Fury popping up on these big TV panels announcing that you know, they're. Uh, <laughs> they're they all need to get to work because hydra is terrible of course but uh the just that shot the detail in it is insane um and it's johnny severin and again like i love kirby i just it's just such a weird like no one else has done something that that rivals that i think there's a little bit in in the namor comic mainly with color yeah when he's encountering the uh the diamonds of doom which is another funny metal title. Um, uh, 
but that's mostly coloring. Um, but this, just that the level of detail that Severin has in the, in that shot and how cool and, you know, again, it's that sort of overwhelming, cool technology thing. Yeah. And, uh, he does it really well. Yeah. Totally. Um, And it's, it's a little breathtaking every time I see it when he, you know, when he, I think it was just like a recording camera thing he was showing in the, the last uh, issue, but this one was great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Noah, anything jump out at you? Uh, one that I like uh, is in the annual, the Fantastic Four annual. Doctor Doom uses his emotion ray. I forget what he called it. Um, and everybody's showing up to trash the wedding. And uh, Super Scroll shows up in this badass spaceship. At the same time uh, that Thor's arriving to the wedding, uh, and basically they pull up right next to each other, and uh, Super Scroll just immediately opens fire on Thor, and um, I guess bothers him. Uh, like he doesn't really, it stuns him, and uh, he gets knocked a little bit, and he's just Thor's just pissed. He throws his hammer at the spaceship and just completely obliterates it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the end of that. <laughs> so super scroll is a, a sorry dude uh, but he brags his like i don't even know what it would cost to build a massive spaceship that can just show up to a wedding uh an intergalactic wedding you know uh same day uh and his spaceship's blown up and he's not humiliated at all he says i present i possess every power known including the power to float on air that's what he brags after right. his spaceship's been destroyed by thor uh <laughs> and that's essentially the end uh he's floating on air but he's not in any more frames of this comic yeah so, yeah so. Well, and also like going back uh to like what i was saying earlier about the mandarin it's like we couldn't get the Hulk in the comic because he was too far away, but somehow the super scroll who lives in another galaxy uh, was able to get triggered <laughs> right. by this thing. And, Just and also showed up. no, no one on the fantastic four has the power to float on air, but somehow the super <laughs> scroll. <does. laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a panel three on page 10. It's yeah. a killer uh, uh, panel of his ship blowing up. Yep. And the, the, that is a real weak brag, man. So. <laughs> some, some face saving going on there. So, uh, in fact, since we know he can't float on air, he's probably falling while he's saying that. So yeah. he's just uh... <laughs> yeah, the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> you no. totally didn't do anything to me. I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Now prepare to die at the hands of Galaxy's greatest warrior," and then he's not in any more panels. <laughs> Oh, good times. Good times. (laughs) Ah, well, uh, Noah, thank you so much for joining us, uh, remotely from your, your secret underground bunker. Um, uh, I hope you are staying safe and healthy. Um, cause we would love to have you back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on these things. Well, thank you for having me. I'm sucking pennies. I'm staying healthy. Excellent. I don't think you're supposed to suck pennies actually. (laughs) I think as long as no one who has, you know, got the virus uh, has touched the pennies, I think you're probably fine. I mean, it's not going to do you any good, but go ahead and suck pennies, man. All right. Um, and uh, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to to everyone listening. Um, you can uh, hit us up uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel by the month and Instagram at Marvel by the month. Uh, drop us an email. 
marvelbythemonth at gmail.com, and the website address is marvelbythemonth.com. Until dot farts becomes a domain that we can register, (laughs) that's what it's going to be. Um, Rob, uh, thanks for uh, doing this again with me. Um, Yeah. It's nice to have something, uh, one thing per week that I can... Uh, I can work toward uh, and and have you know these weird times revolve around. Yeah, yeah, I and it, I really have been pushing the limits of how much Barb wants to talk about 1960s comics around here. So it's good to talk to other people. Um, <laughs> she is like, uh, yeah, just not amused by most of it. She, yeah. I mean, to her credit, reads a lot of comics and. Yep. Uh, and has been around me since we were very young. So she's conversant. She just liked the 60s stuff, as, yeah. as we know from the Valentine's episode. Not, not her favorite. Uh, she, um, she, she, she knows what she got into when she decided yep. to marry you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh, and, and, and being not amused by things is kind of Barb's brand. So That is one of her <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, I do want to say thank you to everybody who bought a shirt. Um, yes. We did a promotion recently with um, our friends at Pacific North Press. They, um, we split the proceeds. So um, after shipping, they they got half just trying to keep them afloat. And yep. they've been doing that with a lot of local businesses. And um, I think uh, quite a few people ordered the Stay Inside and Read comic shirt for some weird reason. Yeah. It must have seemed applicable I to know, their right? life. God. Yeah, I, I wish we had not been so accurate with our future prediction with that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and as promised, uh, once we uh, we get our share of that, um, we will be uh, channeling that into buying gift certificates uh, to local comic shops who could use a boost right now. Um, and we will not be redeeming those until next year. Um, so hopefully helping folks, uh, you know, pay the rent um, and uh, and stick around a little longer because you know, we certainly want to have them to come back to when all this nonsense is over. Um, please, if you have not done so recently, uh, reach out to your local comic book store. Um, see if you can put in an order. Uh, I'm sure they would really appreciate it. If there's nothing that you have on your to-read list right now, um, go just buy a gift certificate. Um, put Get the money in their coffers uh, so that they can keep the lights on um, as we're all going through the stuff together. Yeah, I'm putting my second order together because Katie from Books with Pictures already brought me my first order um, of a stack of graphic novels. So yes. um, very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, with it, some, some Fraction and Lemire and Kelly Sue DeConnick. So, yep. yeah. It's great stuff. Um, and uh, also when she dropped off uh, my batch of comics uh, last week, uh, I left a bag of Marvel by the Month um, magnets and stickers and pins and swag uh, for her to give out to folks on her delivery routes uh, who have ordered some Marvel stuff. So um, if you order uh, Marvel merchandise from Books with Pictures here in Portland, Oregon, um, and you get delivery, uh, you may get uh, some of our stuff uh, along with your order. So um, definitely support Katie. She has been a, a great champion for us and, um, and we love her store, uh, and we really want to make sure that it is still around for many, many more years. And I can't wait to, uh, have Noah back over here to play some, uh, very loud music. I it's know. It's been a while, man. Yeah. 
Oh. I agree. Yeah, uh, I saw your one and only live show um, and got my face rocked right off my head. Um, and I'm <laughs> really looking forward to much more Devil Bots uh, in the near future. Uh, that wraps this thing up. Um, so all that remains is for me to say, for Marvel by the Month, my name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Melm. We will see you next week for next month. Stay inside and read comics. Thank you.